All right, well, good to see you all um, today. As you can see, I'll be speaking. So just bear with me for a little bit. If I'm going on rants, taking too long, and you're sleeping, just, just tell me and then I'll quicken it up. But maybe actually I'll put a timer right now so that I know. All right. Okay. So today, um, before we start, actually we'll pray and then we'll... We'll get right into it, all right? All right. Um, dear Lord, I just um, thank you for another beautiful Friday, Lord, and another time that we can come together as a community and, and listen to what you have to say to us, Father. So I just bless this time, Lord. Open our hearts to what you have to say, and, um, and may we actually go from today and, and sort of meditate on these words, Father. In your name, amen. All right. So today... I wanted to talk about, I had free roam with what I want to talk about. I had no clue. That's the worst because there's no actual guidance. So there's literally one million topics you can talk about, especially when you open your Bible up. So I thought, what should I sort of speak about? What's applicable to the young adults these days, right? And then it hit me. I was like, what am I struggling with? Because, you know, I forget sometimes. I'm a young adult too. So, you know, if I'm struggling with this, it's probably something that, at least some others can sort of, you know, feel the same way about it. Um, and that was actually guilt, right? And it was this sort of idea recently in my life where guilt holds me back from really getting closer to God. It's, it's always holding me back. I'll, you know, struggle with something and then I'll come to a Friday and start singing and I just always think to myself, how can I sing when, you know, this past week, I know I said this, or I know I lied here, or I know I was dishonest, I know I was greedy, whatever it is, right? It was always something that held me back. So I said, I'm struggling with this. And even when I was asked to sort of preach today, I was like, every time I come to plan, I say, how can I sort of speak to everyone? You know, you know, I'm not this good guy, this perfect guy who you know, obeys everything. And I, I fail, and I stuff up, so I feel guilty. So I was praying and I said, what do I speak about? And I felt God say, well, speak about this. Speak about what you're struggling with. Speak about it. And let's speak about guilt. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And I thought of a catchy name when Mary had to ask me what sort of title you have. And I said, guilty or guilt-free. Right? That's sort of the title for today. So um, I want to start off with a quick story where I remember I was... I uh, was with a mate. We just got our licenses. I wasn't the one driving. I've got a bad history of driving, but um, my friend, we didn't have our license yet. He was the oldest. We were like pretty new to this whole fact, oh, my friends can drive, like we're going out. So we went out, right? And he was going to park. And as he was sort of parking, you know, we could see he was pretty close to the other car. I mean, me and my friends were like, we didn't say anything because, you know, we're not drivers, but we're like, this is getting a bit close. Eventually, he sort of just scratches the other car, and he's, he's shocked, and he's like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. Anyway, moving on, we're like, bro, you've got to leave a note, you've got to tell him. And he's like, nah, bro, I ain't leaving a note, no way. So he bolted, and we caught up with him, and we went out for dinner. And we were just having a good time, and he, you could see it visibly in his eyes, he was so distraught. He could not stop thinking about it. He's not a Christian. He could not stop thinking about it. He would bring it up every five seconds. Oh, should I have left a note? And we're like, yeah, you should have. And then he'll go back to eating. And then it, he'll like stop eating like midway with his chopsticks. And he's like, I don't know, I don't know. 
he, was, he could not focus on his life. He couldn't move forward and even just have a simple dinner with his friends because of the guilt he felt from not leaving a note. And so weighing up the two things, he said, you know, the benefits of me getting away with this, I don't have to deal with the stress, don't have to pay this guy anything, don't have to contact him. You know, it sounds pretty good. Over the guilt that he felt, he chose, you know what, I have to run back. I have to put this note. That's how guilty he felt. It was stronger than the feelings of, you know, I don't have to pay anything. I don't have to deal with this. I can just go home and relax. He said, no, I'm too, I feel too guilty about this. And that's how much it pushed him, right? And that's sort of something that we can apply to us. And that's sort of the intro to today. But we'll be going into a Bible story that I want to focus on. And it's a really powerful Bible story. That's every time I read, you know, I read it and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool story. But when you really understand what's going on, it's shocking. And it really shocks, shocks me and I hope it shocks you. So let's go into it. But before I read you the story, I want to just read some verses out and, and try and give you a bit of a background. Not so much background, but this notion that um, how is it possible to live a life where we're not going to feel guilty about sinning and we're not going to feel guilty about doing the wrong thing doing this doing that because we all know right we're not perfect we will stuff up every single one of us in the room we've stuffed up we're stuffing up and we will stuff up right so you know this is going to be something we're all going to deal with right but i want to say this right which is a really it's a really tough it's always tough to read for me and i'll read this to you that as Christians, we're expected, right? We're actually expected to live perfectly, right? You're probably like, okay, Joe, what are you talking about? We're not perfect. You know, what, are you, what are you saying? And yes, we can't live perfectly, but we are expected to live a holy life, right? If we read in James 1, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Right? That's pretty, pretty full on. But I, when I read that, I'm like, yeah, James is just, he's just talking. Like, James doesn't know anything. It's, it's just James. You know? We'll go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. And this is what Jesus says. He says, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Right? Then it's like, Dan, how's, like, what is this guy talking about? I can't be perfect. I'm sure Jesus knows that we're struggling. Like, what is he telling us here? That's, it's too far. And then you go up a step, sort of, where you go to God the Father. And in Leviticus, what does he say? He says, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. Right? So I read this and I'm like, this is the toughest challenge I've ever read. I know I've, brought up, I've been brought up that, you know, everyone's, everyone makes mistakes. You're not going to be perfect. And I'm reading these things and I think to myself, what is going on, right? But there's always a little attachment to the end of what Jesus says, right? Where it says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, right? Or what God says in Leviticus, be holy for I am holy, right? And what I'm starting to sort of see here is God is telling us, to be perfect, right? Because he is perfect, why? We're created in his image, right? We're created and we're supposed to live a life that bears his image. So if he were to tell us, 
yeah, just be like mediocre or be just okay, right? Would that be bearing Christ's image? Right? That's saying that he himself is just mediocre, right? But he's made us like him. He is holy. He is perfect. That is why he says these things. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am holy. Right? That's the expectation that we all know is just impossible. But that is what we're called to be. Right? We're made in God's image and he is holy and he is perfect. So I'm, I'm telling this because when I read this, it starts me on the whole journey of I'm so guilty. Right? This is what we're supposed to be. God has made us holy and perfect. Right? And I'm down here every day. Right? And I just feel terrible. I read these verses, I feel terrible. I'm so guilty. Right? And I can't come before God and I know I've stuffed up and I'll always never be at that standard. We know that. Right? So that's why I want to go into this story um, and just keep that at the back of your minds about something that, you know, it, it should be normal. You know, we will, of course, feel guilty. Now, this story is really amazing. And I'm just going to read it to you. So just bear with me. Usually in the youth, we have it like together, but I'm sure you guys are better listening. So just listen to the story and listen to sort of what's going on here, okay? So in Luke chapter 7, verse 36, 250, it says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him fifty, uh, 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which one of them will, will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had, who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and, woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the women, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now that's such a powerful story where there was this sinner, right? Um, and it, it doesn't just say that lightly because, you know, we're all sinners. And, it's, you know, this sinful woman came 
it's sort of implying, you know, she was known to be a sinner in the day. She was a prostitute, probably. She was, you know, known on the streets. This person is a sinner. We, as, as this Pharisee, as a, us Pharisee house, she's a sinner. We know, you know, she's done this, done this. When she comes even, they're like, yeah, Jesus, if it was a prophet, like, he'd know what this girl has done. She is a sinner, right? So she's sort of in this category, in this box, right? She must have had so much love and passion and so it would have been unexplainable where she would overcome the guilt she would feel to walk into the house of the pharisees who knew who she was right she would walk in she wouldn't care right and she would come and just weep and just pour perfume on jesus feet right that's what she did when she saw jesus right or he knew you know, what, what's going on? This, this, this woman's a sinner. How can she, you know, come into the Pharisee's house and, and do all this, right? Well, for me, a, an amazing hero of the story is this woman, right? Where she has come and she said, I'm not going to let the guilt I feel hold me back and I'm going to rush in and I'm going to, you know, love Jesus, right? And I'm going to pour this, per- this expensive perfume on, on his feet I'm going to wipe my tears on his feet and with my hair. And I'm going to do all this. I'm going to be guilt-free. Right? And what's Jesus' reaction? That's the most important part. Right? His reaction is he does not condemn her. Right? But he forgives her. And he tells the others, you know, who, who would love more? Right? Someone who has been forgiven little? Or someone who's been forgiven a lot, right? And so he's sitting there encouraging us, hey, when you come and you run to Jesus like this girl and you say, I'm going to leave the guilt that's holding me back, right? I'm going to run to Jesus and I'm going to just break down and I'm going to say, you know, please forgive me. Or you just come to him and you just love him. What happens? your love for Jesus grows because you know this is what he's done for me, right? This is what he's done for me. This is, the, the verse literally says, I'll just find it. Uh, who, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven her, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven loves little, right? Jesus did not condemn this woman, Right? He's telling us to be guilt-free, right? Now, she's a sinner. We know she's a sinner. And she's, she runs in and she says, no, I need Jesus, right? For me, that is, it's so difficult because it's, it's, a, it's a cool story. But in that time, to walk into a Pharisee's house and to act like that, firstly, it would have been the most awkward situation to ever be in. Imagine we're having a meeting and... Some woman comes in and just random woman that we're like, yeah, this person's from the streets or whatever. Just starts weeping and, you know, falling on the ground. It would have been so awkward. But Jesus doesn't care. And he breaks the silence just to speak to Simon the Pharisee and say, hey. And something that gets me is he says, do you see this woman? Right. And when I read that, I also feel like he's telling him, you don't see the woman's heart. You just see this woman. But do you really see this woman? Because he does, right? That's the way Jesus treats this woman who 
out of everyone, Jesus should be the one that condemns her, right? You know, the rest, they can't do anything. But this is a perfect man. This is the son of God. But what is his reaction to her, right? And so when I read this, it just encourages me. And I feel, hey, maybe I can actually, even though I'm not perfect, and I'm so guilty of all my sins all the time, maybe I can run to Jesus, right? Maybe I actually can sort of approach him and just ask for forgiveness. And once you start to realize how much you have been forgiven and his compassion, then there's no other reaction than to just bow down at his feet and just pour perfume on his feet and, and weep and, and you know, use your hair to clean his feet. There's no other reaction. Jesus encourages us to also run back to him, repent and love him guilt-free. I want to go to another story that is very similar. Um, and I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. Where you probably all know the story where there's a woman who was caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Right? And um, this is what it says. So at one point, Jesus says, you know, they're about to stone this girl, right, who's been caught in the act. And they're like, Jesus, Jesus says to them, you know, the first person who, you know, who hasn't sinned, cast the first stone, right? And this is what he says. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? So they all leave, one by one. They all leave. And um, this is what he says. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus didn't condemn this lady, right? Same situation with the other, with the other woman, right? He did not condemn them. Even though they would have felt so guilty, right? This is his reaction to us, right? He does not condemn us. Right? We're freely able to run to Jesus and just bow down at his feet. Right? When I read these stories, I'm so encouraged because sometimes I'm, I'm too sort of entrenched in my sin and my world. And I say, I've been doing this, 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 and I'm, I, I haven't prayed in one week or whatever. And then you just you start to think, yeah, God doesn't, like, it's too, I'm too far. God doesn't care about me. Like, how can I come back to him? Well, no. That's why these stories are here. Because how did he react when things like that happened? How did he react when a sinful woman ran at his feet in the middle of a sort of house gathering? This is how he, he reacted. He did not condemn them, but he showed them love. Right? So that's an encouragement for me, and I hope it is for you guys. We don't have to feel guilt, and he wants us to kneel at his feet and love him and repent. Right? But something that is important is when, you're, when you feel guilt, right? what is it doing? It's stopping you from running to Jesus. Right? That's the difference. We know we can be guilt-free, but guilt is what stops you from running back to Jesus. Right? And what's that going to do? It's going to just increase the cycle. Right? It's, it's just going to cycle over and over. Where, you know, I do this, I do X, Y, Z, I feel guilty about it. You know? Oh no, that's terrible. I can't come before Jesus. I can't come on a Friday night. 
I can't go to church on Sunday and sing worship songs. I can't even pray because how can Jesus speak to me, right? And then it just, that means I'll just keep doing X, Y, Z. And I'll feel more guilty. And then it just continues, right? I'm saying this because it's my personal experience and I'm, I'm sure it's probably been the same for some of you guys, right? It's tough and guilt is what holds you back. It's almost like you're running and there's this guy just holding your shirt and you just you can't get past, right? It holds you. Guilt is not from God, right? And he's calling us to be guilt-free because he doesn't condemn us, right? Why can we be guilt-free, right? Why? So he doesn't condemn us. And why, right? What's, what's going on here? Well, in Romans 8, verse 1, um, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? He paid for it all. Right? He paid for your sins yesterday, today, and the sins that you're about to commit. Right? He paid for it all. So when you stand before God, and when you come to Him, and you, just like that woman who ran in and was like, you know, weeping, he doesn't see the sins. He doesn't see the past. He doesn't see any of that. Right? All God sees is His Son. Right? There's no condemnation. There's no need to feel guilty then. Because I know that it's been paid for. Right? There, there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But this is a struggle for me because I start to feel, okay, I understand this part. And I'm sure probably most of us understand all this, right? You know, I understand I can, I can come to God and He forgives me and He loves me and He wants me to run to Him because He doesn't condemn me, right? And then it gets to my head sometimes and I say to myself, you know what? That's fine then. Because, you know, I know I can just do X, Y, Z and then I can just go to God and say, you already forgave me. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter what I do because it's, it's fine. God will always just accept me and that's all good and he'll say, you know, that's all right, Joe, and I can go on living, doing whatever I like. And yeah, that, that's fine, right? But no, there's, there's something, something important here that we're missing, right? And especially with that second story where, what does he say to the woman after? He says, you're, you're not, um, I don't condemn you. This is what he says. He says, um, he says, go and sin no more, right? It's not just, yep, you're not condemned, you know? Everything's all right. That, that's not where it stops, right? It's go and sin no more. In Hebrews 10, 26 verse 27, and these two verses probably, they're really, you know, just straight to the point and they can feel quite sort of shocking because we all fall into these traps, Right? But I want to read it to you. For if we go on singing, sinning, not singing, sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth. So we've all received the knowledge of the truth. We know what's going on here. So that's applying to us. If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Right? And in 1 John 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 6, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. 
No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Right? So then when I read that, I ask myself, you know, I'm a logical person. So when I read that last verse, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. And if I continue sinning, like it's whatever, then do I abide in him? Right? Have I seen him? And do I actually know him? That's the question I start asking myself. And it's scary. Because your life is different when you meet Jesus, when you know him, right? When you see him. And so it it says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. When you know and abide in Jesus, your life is different. It's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the X, Y, Z, go to God, up, all good, keep going, cycle, etc. It's not going to be like that. So then ask yourself, where am I actually then with God? Right? Do I abide in Him? Do I, can I see Him? Do I even know Him? And not know about Him. Do I know Him personally? Right? Am I able to actually leave all my guilt? You know, forget about all of it. And just say, I need Jesus. And just run to Him. And think about that for yourselves. Because if that's something that's really hit home, then like this woman who was forgiven a lot, then you will love a lot. And you will love him a lot. Right? That's what happens when you realize just how much compassion and mercy he has on us. Right? Do you abide in him? Have you seen him? And do you know him? And we're held back by our guilt which stops us from abiding in him, and then you'll just keep on sinning. That's what guilt does, right? If you're guilty and I say to myself, you know, I'm too guilty. How can I come before, you know, God and it's, I'm just, too, you know, it's, it's just terrible. And then you just go into the cycle and you'll just, you won't be able to abide in him because you won't, you won't even be praying. You won't even be spending time with your father. So you can't abide in him. And what does it say about not abiding in Christ? No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. It will continue. Right? That's what guilt will do. It will hold you back. And just like my mate who, you know, he couldn't even, he couldn't even eat his, his dinner. And his whole life was, you know, you know, just tumbling down around him and he couldn't focus, he couldn't live on because he needed to, he felt so bad that he didn't leave the notes your life will be the same. You won't be able to live fruitfully when you're so caught up with guilt in the things you've done and you you can't present that to God and just run to Him and say, you know what, I don't care that there's Pharisees in here, I don't care what's going on, I'm going to run in and I just need Jesus. right? Because He doesn't condemn me. He didn't condemn the lady who was sinful and ran in. He didn't condemn the one that was caught in the act. And it's the same with us. Right? That's what guilt does. And so I like to think of this analogy um, a lot of the times in my head. And I think I heard it one day and then I just twisted it and made it my own sort of, sort of thought process. But I thought to myself, um, each time I sin, right, I put a brick down between myself and God. Right? I put a brick. And I put on the tradie outfit and I'm now, I'm now tradie, right? I'm putting, on the, putting the bricks down. 
And then I sin again, and I sin again, and I sin again, and I draw further away from God, and I do this, and I watch that, and I say this, and I just build another brick, right? And God's there. He's just chilling. He's chilling. He hasn't moved. And I'm just building this tower of bricks, right? Eventually, it'll, it'll be pretty strong, right? It'll, it'll form to a pretty solid wall if, I, if I'm pretty good at my job. And it'll be pretty strong. And I'll just keep building this wall. And each sin just piles upon itself, right? And I feel more and more guilty. And then I can't, I can't face God at all. And that wall gets higher. And I can't see God. And it's easier. It becomes easier to just, yeah, there's a wall in front of me. Just turn back. It's a dead end, right? That's fine. But if I let go of my guilt, right, and I cry out to God, right, from over the wall, he's in here, and he sees everything and he knows everything and he hears everything, right? Then Jesus comes and he just knocks that wall down. Right? He just destroys it. And he stands in front of me so that, let's pretend God only has vision like this, that all he sees is Jesus standing in front of me. Right? He doesn't see the broken person I am right behind. But when I cry out, he comes. He breaks the wall down that I just built up. And he stands there. Right? Right in my way. So guilt is what holds you back from calling out to Jesus to break that wall down. And that's been my situation. And it's probably the same with yours. He calls us to run back to him. No matter how far, how deep in sin you are in that moment, in that present time. I'm not worthy, but Joe, you don't understand. I actually did this. Like, bro, it's not like that. I'm, it's, I'm too far. There's no such thing as that. Right? There is no such thing as that. But just remember that it's not about, yeah, I'm, I'm this far. I'll just call out to Jesus every time. What did we say before? Right? Go and sin no more. Our life should be different. Because when we're abiding in Jesus, then you won't keep on sinning. You will fall. You will fall. But as soon as you build that first brick, you'll be able to just, oh, I can't be building that. Just chuck that away. Right? It'll be much easier. You will fall but it'll be much easier than a fortified sort of whole castle in front of you. So something I want to mention today, um, I know it's all over the place, but I just want to mention something that's really important. And I think, especially in our age, and even in this sort of community, something that we shy away from, and we just think, nah, bro, that you're going too far now. We just talk about God stuff here, and then, you know, like, like that's it, right? But accountability is so important and I'll tell you why there's something there's a chapter in James chapter 5 verse 16 and it says this therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working right something that's important to note repentance comes from God right? or forgiveness sorry comes from God when we repent and we run to him and he forgives us but healing is something different, right? Healing is specified here. And what is healing, right? It comes from confessing our sins to one another. Not only to our Father in heaven, when it's within ourselves, right? When it's calling your friend and, and speaking to them. Not only speaking to them, it says, and praying for one another, right? Because the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That's where healing comes from. Right? Abiding in Him 
but and then confessing our sins to one another and keeping each other accountable that is so important right and that really helps with guilt as well right you know there's someone i can chat about when i'm feeling you know xyz and i'm feeling guilty i can chat to this person right it's so important. You can't have one and not the other. You can't. You can't be like, Joe, I've got, I've got this, you know, on board. I know what you're talking about. I'm actually, you know, I'm cracked at it. Like, I know exactly, you know, I don't struggle with guilt. I'm fine. Thanks, Joe, for the message. See you at Stud Park Matters, right? There's a second step to it. Accountability. It doesn't end at just confession. It doesn't end at Jesus' feet. It's here as well. So you have to be accountable to each other. That's where healing comes from. And so, you know, just, you know, messaging a trusted friend, you know, saying, hey, can you be my sort of mate that we you know, chat to about the things we're going through so that we don't build this guilt, build the wall, and we catch it early. And we actually receive healing from that, right? That's so important. And that's something that we forget about and we just leave. But what I like to think about is, What's more important, my sort of embarrassment in the moment or how they, how they might view me or will this you know, not go well or things like that? What's more important, those feelings or you know, my eternity and my life and how I want to live my life before I see Jesus? And that is much more important to me. And so if I want that to happen, then just being accountable with each other is much more important than the two seconds of embarrassment. And you'll notice when you open up to people, they open up as well, right? That's what's so important. So I want to just summarize the five sort of main things I've, I've gone through today, um, where the first one was guilt is what holds us back from running to Jesus and from living a holy life as we're called to. It's guilt that sort of, I, the sort of image I see is, you know, you've, you're playing a soccer match and, you know, you've got... You've given a through ball to the guy on the wing and is running, it's going to be a goal. And then I don't, just this dirty defender comes and just grabs his shirt. And like it's the most dirty foul and, and whatever, but it's professional foul, you have to do it. Grabs his shirt and he's trying to run, he's trying to run, but he can't. His life is sort of impeded. Right? Just like my friend who couldn't function at a dinner with friends because of the guilt he felt, it stops you, it holds you while you're trying to run, right? Two, like the sinful woman, we should run to Jesus guilt-free. Not guilty, guilt-free. As he does not condemn us, but forgive us, forgives us. And that's one of the most important parts, because that holds you back. If you think, Jesus is going to look down on me. I've disappointed him. You know, I'm a failure, and he probably you know, will strike me down when I pray, and you know, I'm not worthy. Right? But is that how he reacted to the other two? No, not at all. And so meditate on that. And realize that's not who Jesus is. That's not his character. Now he comes with open arms and he says, run to me. All right? And so the third point is um, we aren't forgiven and released to continue sinning. But Jesus says, go and sin no more. Right? So once we've, we've come to Jesus, we know you, know you don't condemn us. And we need to come to his feet. It's not just... Let's just repeat this cycle and abuse the system like I do with the McDonald's app systems and just get the most value out of it. No, that's not what it is, right? It's go and sin no more, right? 
And we read those verses about abiding in Him. And just question and just meditate on it yourself. Do I abide in Him? Can I see Him? And do I know Him? And why am I living like this? And compare those. Because things change when you meet Jesus. And I'm sure it did for those two women. women. So, as I was just saying, number four is abide in Him. Ask yourself if you've really seen or known Him. Um, and the verse again, no one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Just remember, you're made in his image. He views us as people who are, we are expected to be holy. God himself says, you should be holy as I am holy. Not me, I'm talking about God, so you understand. But you should be perfect, right? That's this, it's not going to happen. It's very tough, definitely. But that's the standard, Right? So if I want to get as close to that standard as possible, why not spend time with the person who can actually change my life, right? To abide in him who can form me into this holy person, right? And number five, which is something that, you know, I could have just had four points and we leave it there today, but number five is so important that we always miss. And it's confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Have an accountability friend you trust so that you may be healed. Right? It's not just for fun, for the kicks to say, hey, we're both struggling with this thing. Yeah, cool. We've got mutual friends. We've got, a, we've got a sort of thing going on. No, it's so that you may be healed. Right? So those are sort of the main points that I want to focus on today. And just remember the story of the, of the girl who ran in to these sort of Pharisees, the awkward situation it must have been for her, the embarrassment, the guilt that she would have felt. But she said, no, I can be guilt-free and I can run to Jesus and that's how he'll react to us when we do that. So there's no need to be guilty. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, um, where can I start, Lord? Just thank you so much for, um, for your mercy, for your love, um, for your forgiveness and for how much you care for us, um, even though you're so big and we're so small, Father, but you forgive us for all our sins, Father. And I pray, Lord, for a heart of repentance um, as we move on, Father. I pray, Lord, for a heart that um, is guilt-free, um, where we can come to you and, and know that we are not condemned, um, but we are forgiven um, and we can go and sin no more, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that um, we abide in you so that we don't continue building that brick wall for you know, thousands and thousands of layers long, but we can actually come to you and we can abide in you and we can know you personally, not just sort of on a surface level, on a church on Friday and Sunday morning, Lord, but we can know who you really are. So I pray for all the things that um, we spoke about today, Father, and just pray, Lord, that you touch us and, Lord, that you just help us throughout this week um, as we go into it, Lord. In your name, amen.